Welcome back. Hi. We have missed recording. When was our last Again, episode? A long time ago before a Christmas. Long time ago. It's but the end of January. We haven't forgot about you. Ever. Not even for a moment. It's just been... It's been a lot with the holidays, the new year. Oh, yeah. We went Lots on a stuff. trip to New York. Oh, wait. No, we did that before our last episode. Did we? I don't know. Time Guys, is... we don't know. What is time? Time I'm is not sure. Not real. Yeah, we went on trips to New York. Alicia went to Georgia. I did. I got COVID finally. I haven't had COVID this whole time, guys. This whole time of the pandemic, I've not had COVID. And then the Omicron. Omicron? Omnicorn. (laughs) I don't know. Omnicorn. (laughs) The most recent strain finally got me. So. Yeah. She had a different symptom every day, but. It was literally like a like going through the Hunger Games of sickness. Like every day I woke up and they're like, here's your new set of symptoms. And it was completely different than the day before. And then it would disappear the next day and I'd get a new set of symptoms She's the like, next what day. will tomorrow bring? Anna would send me a Marco Polo every day of like, okay, today it's body aches and sweats. <laughs> the next day it's like nausea and headaches. <laughs> it was horrible. It was so horrible. But it lasted like six days. And then I was, and then I woke up. I went to bed with a horrible head cold and then I woke up the next day. No symptoms. She's like, I'm chilling. Done. And it was honestly, I'm happy for you. But she's a little bitter. I'm a little bitter because when I had COVID, I had um, the Delta variant or whatever. Uh, in, most vicious. Yeah. In August, I think. And I was sick for like a week, but then it took me out for months. Months. Yeah. Well, then you also, then during I, that time... It like evolved into a cold, yeah. right? And then I got a sinus infection and then I had mono. But anyway, it's fine. So, yeah. but we are fully aware that everyone else is getting sick too. But we haven't forgot about you at all. Yeah. And in fact, we get fun messages that we, you know, on Instagram or text messages or whatever. And we always send them each other to each other of just reviews or positive notes of the podcast so we're gonna share some on yeah here. and it's always so unreal to me when someone lets me know like hey i listen to your podcast i'm like my yeah. voice <laughs> is a weekly part of your life like yeah, you like listen cool. like it's it's very very exciting and we always appreciate everyone who who takes time to listen and and yeah appreciates our content that says a lot about you guys if you resonate with this stuff and it's funny because we are seriously sitting on anna's living room floor mm-hmm. surrounded in boxes and things because she's I'm, moving yeah and anyway it's just cool that the thoughts that we share here that means so much to us get to you all and that people like it so um one of our friends she said hey ladies just wanted to s- Wow. I'm going to start over. Hi, ladies. Just wanted to say you have been such an answer to a prayer right now. I've gotten to a place where I'm so down about the fact that I'm a perfectionist and it honestly feels like a chain around me. You help me understand it in a Christian light and to fully grasp the concept of grace, which to be honest, seems like a seems like such a massively huge thing to wrap my head around, let alone accept it. Thank you for doing this podcast. XX. Thank you so much to that listener for sharing that. I had another friend text me and said um, about one of our episodes. She said this episode literally brought me to tears because I show myself zero compassion, especially now that I'm a mom. I love what you guys are doing. Mm. And I love also hearing that when people, because we've had people reach out before and say, you know, I didn't realize I experienced this until I listened to your podcast and I experienced it at work or I experienced it as a sister or as a mom or there's just so many areas of life that this affects and it's not just religion even though it's what the series is about there's a lot of different areas that it impacts and as we continue with our series obviously you guys will all be able to see that um because mm-hmm. we're going to keep grouping them kind of by different life scenarios totally but it's cool to see that it always transfers you know it doesn't matter what our topic is it, it always transfers because it perfectionism just so pervasive absolutely so we can read one more review and then we'll get into today so this says, hello, I'm sorry if this is random, but I came across one of your podcast videos here. This was on Instagram and wanted to say thank you for sharing your messages. I've been dealing with perfectionism in the church for some time now, and it's actually hindered, hindered my growth until recently. If you want to hear my story or if you want to hear my story for more content on your podcast, I'd love to share it with you and Anna. Have a good day. And it's just so fun that people like want to share their stories, too. You know, it's like, oh, I relate to this and I want to share. So hopefully we're going to do something like that in the future where we can 
like accept people's stories or maybe you guys can send in like short voice memos or something Mm -hmm. like talking about your experience and we would be happy to share that because also Anna and I have very different experiences Mm -hmm. which means everyone else is bound to have a different experience too yeah and we have limited experiences because we can't talk about what it's like to have perfectionism as a parent Mm-mm. we can talk about like theories about it and mm-hmm. theoretically but we're a guy we don't know what it's like, like. Or being or male. Be a man and mm-hmm. perfectionism we don't know what that's like yeah so we want to use this as a way to broadcast a lot of different stories because as we're getting more and more listeners we're seeing that this is so impactful yeah like seeing the amount of listeners that we have coming back every week grow every single week even even when we're off our schedule and not posting every week like we aimed for it just shows how much people need this so we're glad that we can do it. And then we also want other people to be able to share too. Yeah. Please tell us how you feel about it. It makes us so happy. Yeah. <laughs> so for today's episode, we wanted to talk about just final thoughts on this whole series. Our of last. Episode. I know. The last one of the series about perfectionism, specifically in church culture. Um, we have so many thoughts on this and hopefully we've got them all across throughout the entire series, but we've had just some other things come to mind and one that I've thought of is just the constant life cycle of saying for real this time I'm going to be better like for real Mm -hmm. and I've just had recent experiences with trying to overcome certain struggles that I'm having and it feels like every week or every few days it's like okay I'm I'm going to be better this time I really am or if I'm like praying I'm like okay I'm serious this time like I'm I'm really going to be better And I'm like, is this just me? Am I the only one that is constantly falling short? But then Anna and I got together to podcast. And it's funny because we're trying to find like a good rhythm with posting and and whatever it is. Consistency Consistency, with episodes. Yeah, yeah, whatever, like whatever that looks like. And it's so funny because I find us saying, "Okay, let's for real this time. I know we said this last (laughs) time, but let's reevaluate. And then it was kind of a validating moment of like, oh, like it's not just me that has to say for real this time. This is the time. I'm going to be different or I'm going to be better or I'm never going to mess up again or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's so interesting that we get in that habit of, you know, the two dimensions of perfectionism being unrealistic expectations and self-criticism. And what do we mean when we say this time for real? Like what is what do you even mean by that? Like you're never going to mess up again? Yeah, right. That's setting yourself up for an unrealistic expectation. And then you'll naturally fall into self-criticism again when you find yourself in that same problem, in the same situation. And I also think saying, okay, this time for real, then discredits all of your other attempts. Mm. It's saying, you know, like, okay, this is the real time when look at the past five or six times you tried to do this. And, and just because you didn't do it perfectly doesn't mean those weren't real or, or valid mean you, or fake. Yeah, exactly. And so saying like this time for real Every time is for real. And you're going to say that over and over again. Life is just a cycle of us saying this time for real over and over again. And the fact that we have to say that and operate that way doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Doesn't mean you're not doing something right. That just means you're a human being. And until one of us can figure out how to be more than human, that's just how this is going to be while we're here on earth and while we're going through mortality. So I was watching one of my favorite films, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, mostly because Andrew Garfield's in it. <laughs> but <laughs> he, uh, there's a really kind of like ch- like cheesy cliche line that Gwen Stacy says in her valedictorian speech um, that, I don't know, when I, like when I've heard it before, I've just kind of brushed past it because I'm like, oh, that's cheesy and gross. Nah. And I just am not a fan of stuff like that. But when I heard it this time, it like stuck with me because I looked at it through a perfectionist lens. And what she says is, you know, she's talking about life and like living with hope and like being ambitious and like doing all this stuff. And at the end of it, she says, and even if we fall short, what better way is there for us to live? And that's how we should approach everything right? Like when we think about why we're here on earth and what God's expectations are of us, it's not here to check boxes or, or to, to complete events, right? Like marriage or mission, et cetera. It's not here to make, we're, we're not on earth to make sure we don't fall short. That's not our goal here, mm-hmm. right? Our goal is to experience and to learn and to live a mortal life. And I think so often we focus on if we fall short, when we should be focusing on what better way is there to live, it's creating a lifestyle and a livelihood that makes us the happiest. And like we've said in previous episodes, 
the reason we have commandments and guidelines and things like that is so that we can live mortality as happily as possible, Mm -hmm. not to accomplish events or check boxes. Right. And I think the whole, like we didn't come here and surprise God or anyone else when we mess up or fall short. It is no shocker at all because that's what life is about. And we've mentioned in the past episodes that Jesus Christ and his sacrifice of his whole life and his whole being was not a backup plan. It was the entire plan. Mm -hmm. The whole plan is contingent on Christ giving his life for us and being our advocate and suffering for our sins and all of that. It wasn't like, oh, if Alicia messes up, like, then this is there for her. That is the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And I love that even when we fall short, because you will that what a better way to live like that's the way to live yes and I think when we get in this mindset of I'm never gonna mess up again this time for real like I'm serious it's like you're missing out on the happiness of experience and this is God's plan of happiness for us he wants us to be happy and if we're not we're likely doing something wrong or something needs to change and you're also human if you're unhappy Mm -hmm. but it's designed for us to be happy Yeah. And I think that so often we forget that something being messy and something being beautiful, that 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 can coexist. Messy things can be beautiful. A messy life can be beautiful. A messy process or messy schedule can be beautiful. I know that often the like, okay, this time for real, I say that to myself so much when I'm getting back (laughs) into my gym routine, Mm. like working out like, okay, this time for real. And then something always happens like, oh, COVID or I don't know, whatever. And I get off of my schedule and I get off of my rhythm. And then when I start again, right, I go, okay, this time for real. And there's no, it's not productive. And it's also wrong to beat yourself up for having to go back to that. Okay. Okay. This time. Mm-hmm. mindset because that's just that's just what you have to do and that is messy that's not perfect that's not shiny and that that can still be a beautiful thing even though it's messy you can still be beautiful even if you're messy absolutely yeah that's that's how it's created to be you know and I I heard something I really loved in a podcast this I think it was last week or the week before they talked about how in the church a lot we look at life as a test we say that life is a test And that actually makes no sense if you think about it, because imagine studying for a math test, whether you're the person who studies for weeks or the person who studies the night before you show up to the test and imagine your teacher being like, "Okay, awesome. Like before you go ahead and take this test, we're just going to wipe your memory of everything you studied and good luck. You know, you'll do great. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense because we can't remember anything from this life before. So what what? are we being tested on if we don't know anything? Yeah. Like we're just learning. And so they talked about in this podcast, reframing life from being a test to life being a classroom. And I think when we do that, it's, we're less focused on like, Oh, am I going to get this problem wrong or right? Am I doing this wrong or right? It's what am I learning from this thing? Mm -hmm. What am I learning from this constant setback of whatever it is going to the gym? Is it swearing? Is it the law of chastity? Is it pornography? Is it eating healthy? Like whatever Mm -hmm. your struggle is, like what are you learning through that struggle? Not are you doing it wrong or right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like why, why does one person struggle with something like, I don't know, alcoholism or something Mm -hmm. like that. And the other person might struggle with like lying, Like why, you know, and and I think it's very important instead of asking, you know, like, why is this happening to me or why can't I get this or why do I struggle to instead ask, what is this teaching me? Mm -hmm. Because that's what, that's the whole mindset shift, right? From being tested to being in a classroom. And also it always, it never made sense to me growing up when people are like, life is a test, but God also knows exactly what decisions you're going to make. I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. Then then what is the point? (laughs) (laughs) What? Then can I like go home? Can I just like leave here? (laughs) This makes no sense to me. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And when you break it down to that, it kind of, the whole like, we're being tested here. Everything has to be perfect starts to fall apart because if God already knows exactly what we're going to do, then why didn't he just sit us down before setting us down here and being like, Hey, you were, when you go down to earth, you're going to do this, 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 and this. I already know that. So we're just going to chalk you up to whatever we're going to chalk you up to. And that was your mortality. Like now (laughs) we're going to go, you know, to judgment day or whatever. No, Mm -hmm. he sent us down here anyway. And it's for our benefit. It's for us to learn and for Mm -hmm. us to experience. Yeah. And something we've talked about a lot is, 
the whole purpose of life being to become the best version of you to become the most like our savior Mm -hmm. that is like the entire point it's not a test score at all and anna one of my favorite things anna said that has stuck with me is that we need to value experience over perfection Mm -hmm. because that's what god does god does value your experience over being perfect or whether you're right or wrong or however many times you messed up he wants us to become like new creatures that's one of my favorite sayings in the scriptures is becoming a new creature in christ Mm. like how can he change you how can he evolve you and make you into the best version of you that's what he's looking for he's not just like anticipating giving you a test score that he already knew you were going to get at the end of this life Mm -hmm. yeah so experience people i don't know what else to say on that (laughs) no that's so so true one of our followers posted something um, to their story that I really, really loved that kind of hits on this. Cause so often perfectionism convinces us that what, what Alicia is saying, how we value experience over perfection. It, it just convinces us that we have to be perfect. Now we have to do it all right now. And if we're not doing everything exactly how we're supposed to be right now, then we're doing it all wrong right now. Mm-hmm. And it's this like black and white thinking and And there's so many errors in that because then it doesn't let you have questions about the church. It doesn't let you have doubts about God. It it doesn't let those things coexist with a testimony. It's either you know everything or you don't. And she posted this thing that said, um, it said, is it possible to have faith in something when you have factual evidence that it's real? Does the whole point of having faith rest on not knowing 100% that something exists? And it, it basically talks about how like we mm-hmm. possibly could be overusing the term I know when we're bearing our testimonies and talking about the church. What And the proper term might be I believe or I have faith or I have hope. And she posted this thing where she's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I think Jesus Christ lived. I think God cares for me. I think the Book of Mormon is true. I or think I hope, following Christ. Right? Yeah, or I, I hope because there is a connotation with I think, right, of like unsurety. Mm-hmm. I hope or I believe, I believe yeah. or I, I want this to be true. That is just as valid as someone else who has had enough experiences with say the temple that they know the temple is real being able to say, I hope the temple is what I think it is, or I want the temple to be this. I'm going to keep living like it is. Or even like, I feel this way in the temple. Yes. Or when I think about the temple, this is what like the spirit tells me this or this and that. Like, what do you mean when you say, I know, do you really though? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. No, honestly, because you don't need to. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to. Cause again, if we knew all of this stuff, from what? When we're eight, when we get baptized, if we were expected to just know everything, the atonement would be irrelevant. Sorry, the atonement of Jesus Christ would be irrelevant. Coming to the earth would be irrelevant. Like there's just this concept of us having to know everything is hindering our ability to experience mortality the way that God wanted us to experience it. Mm-hmm. And if you know something, that's great. I think there are a few parts of my testimony, you know, a few things about the church that I've had enough experiences that I can say I know yeah. it. Well, and there is that that primary song that says faith is knowing. Faith oh, is knowing yeah. the sun will rise and da, da, da. I can't remember how it goes. So I think there is a little bit of surety mm-hmm. in faith. It's just like teetering that like, you know, like I know or, 100% or like I think or based on past experiences like mm-hmm. I'm predicting this you have full confidence yeah like I have yeah. confidence in this yes yeah and it's anyway. okay if there's some things about the church that you have that confidence in and then there's other things that you don't those can coexist or if some days you have that confidence and then other days you don't about certain totally elements. like one thing yeah. it was so funny I went to lunch with some mission friends and I was just like hey where like where are you all at spiritually and they were oh, like oh good da, da, da. what about you Alicia and I'm like good but I hate tithing right now. (laughs) Like I hate it, you know, (laughs) like I struggle with it. And it's funny because having served a full-time mission, it's like, oh, I know this. I know that I'm like teaching about this. I'm teaching about that. And then I get home and it's like, what is faith? Mm. What? Mm -hmm. Why? Who? Huh? Like, what is going on here? What did I just teach for all that time? So I love that. It's okay to not know some days. It's okay to be uncertain and it's okay to like, be a little shaky and not be so confident all the time because no one is yeah faith isn't linear no you don't get faith about something and then it stays there forever Mm -hmm. you're gonna have new questions pop up new scenarios and it's going to change how you view different elements of the church and that is okay those things can coexist you don't have to be black or white or all or nothing all the time Mm -hmm. one thing that i can be sure about even though i do teeter with it sometimes is God's grace and how much he Mm -hmm. loves and adores me and all of us. And 
it's because I've felt his love so strongly, so, so, so strongly. And I think for me, like a huge experience over the past like year, year and a half has been going through a divorce for me. Like I haven't talked a lot about that on here, but I felt God's love for me like every day going through that. And every single hard day, like I I felt that. And I think sometimes we get in the mindset of like, I'm failing or I'm falling short or this, this wasn't in my patriarchal blessing. This wasn't in my mm-hmm. plans. This mm-hmm. wasn't it. This mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be it. But I truly felt God helping me every day and valuing the experience I was gaining with him, with my father in heaven and with um, my testimony of the savior and my testimony of the spirit. Like I've never... I've never really understood the whole like comforter role mm, of, yeah. of the spirit. But like, think about when you're having the worst day and sometimes you don't need someone to fix it. You don't need someone to tell you what to do. You just need someone to be there to yeah. just be there. And I think sometimes when we get in a rough spot, we want God to take things away from us when he's actually playing that comforting role and just sitting there. Like he's yes. not going to take it away from you. Yes. He's not going to fix everything because you don't want that anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to sit there and comfort you. Mm-hmm. And that has been a huge testimony builder for me. So I think we can have these experiences that do do make things more sure. Maybe one thing I also learned fr- through that experience was instead of viewing God through our imperfect, cracked, dirty lens, try to view yourself through his perfectly clean graceful merciful all loving lens i think we try to pick up our own like paintbrush and be like oh this is who he must be and Mm -hmm. we try to dictate who he is instead of letting him like dictate not even dictate i don't like that word but like guide or inform like who you are as a person and perfectionism i think maybe we just reject I don't know if this is true, Anna. We could like tease this out, but does perfectionism just reject any form of like grace and love and support? Like how so? I think definitely because to accept any of those things, you have to accept that you're flawed or you're imperfect. Mm, Yes. And perfectionism will not let you accept that, right? That's why it's such a battle because your mind all day, every day is like, no, no, we're perfect. We're doing fine. We're doing great. You know, it's like that constant tension there. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism does not let anything else exist except itself. True. It is a self-serving concept. Yes, I love this. Okay, thank you. That articulated what I was like thinking in my mind so well that we just reject that help or that support or that like need for something greater Mm -hmm. or that need for something other than yourself. Mm -hmm. And it forces you to be in this position of like humility especially when you're in a situation that might be so drastic like divorce or like a major setback or like mental illness or financial struggles or whatever to like accept that humility and accept Christ as something that you need you need him one of my favorite hymns that helps me recognize this is the song I stand all amazed it says I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me confused at the grace that so fully he proffers me i love the word confused because how does this make sense (laughs) like we are so annoying (laughs) we're so imperfect i'm so dramatic like i'm all of these things but he he loves he loves to offer us his love and support and his grace and it says i tremble to know that for me he was crucified that for me a sinner he suffered he bled and died And then the chorus, oh, it's wonderful that he should care for me enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me. And I just love that entire hymn. It talks about marveling at his life and his power to rescue a soul. I love this, to rescue a soul so rebellious and proud as mine. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I think perfectionism, I'm not going to read the whole hymn, but y'all should go listen to it or sing it or whatever you want to do. But it really makes us... um, prideful or put too much confidence in ourselves so it's good to exercise your faith and maybe it doesn't make sense that perfectionism makes us prideful because it makes us feel kind of insecure sometimes too so it's like how can insecurity and pride yeah yeah that's what i right like that's what yeah i there's a talk by ezra taft benson um called beware of pride and it talks about how we often think of pride as people from the top looking down at those less fortunate when most, if not all the time, it's people from the bottom looking up. 
Mm. and trying to like compensate for insecurities by living in like an ego state Mm. so sorry to cut you off but yes no no no. I I loved that and so I think yeah maybe just studying pride and perfectionism maybe just thrives in pride I think thrives in it because it's like this whole idea that if I'm perfect and if I never mess up and if I whatever then I can avoid vulnerability I can avoid hurt I can avoid falling short but we can't mm-hmm. avoid any of these things. Anyway, I've been ranting for a minute, so I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> you said so many amazing things, Thanks, one Anna. right after the other. <laughs> um, but to add on to what you said, I really love, I wrote like a Facebook post like three years ago. We start, first started learning about perfectionism. Um, and in it, I, I, the way I ended it, I went on this whole rant about perfectionism. And the last thing I said with it is our worth is not hinged on how much we can do on our own. Because with that whole pride element of perfectionism, that's why it's so harmful. That's why it's so dangerous. That's why it destroys relationships. That's why it destroys how we view God and we view ourselves is because to to follow a perfectionist mindset is to believe that your worth and your identity is attached directly to how much you can do by yourself. And so if you ever were in a place where you needed comfort or you needed guidance or you needed to access the atonement of Jesus Christ or whatever, you are not only admitting that you're imperfect, but then your worth and your identity and your value automatically is tied to that. And you couldn't do it on your own. You're, you know, and you look at other people and you're like, well, they do it on their own. I should have been able to do it on your own. You should on yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And because you couldn't do it on your own or because you couldn't do it perfectly on your own you are now less valuable and less worthwhile as a human being. And it's so hilarious because no one is expecting us to do it on our own. Literally no one. Nobody. But yet we all do in a way. Yeah. And also like if you think about on the other side, think how awesome it is to help someone and to be there for someone. You are literally depriving other people of that experience by forcing yourself to do it by yourself all the time. Absolutely. And that's like... I feel like the a lot of the church like structure was designed to help support each other and to support like lift yes. each other and ministering mm-hmm. like that's huge allowing yourself to be ministered to and then to minister yeah like it's hard to let that be a cycle it's so easy to give but it's so hard to receive mm-hmm. it's so true yeah so so true um something that we wanted to make sure that we talked about in this episode was the three forms of perfectionism and how they manifest themselves in the church culture. So if this is the first series you guys are tuning into, that is awesome. We do have a first series where we kind of lay the groundwork for perfectionism. And in that series, we talk about the three types, which are self-oriented perfectionism, other-oriented perfectionism, and socially prescribed perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to tease that out a little bit and just talk about how all of those different forms change the way we see ourselves and change the way that we see God. Yeah. So self-oriented perfectionism is, I think, what most people think of when they hear perfectionism and maybe not. But it's like I said just a little bit earlier, it's putting that expectation on yourself that if I perform perfectly or if I at least appear perfect and maintain this image, this front then I will avoid being hurt. I'll avoid being rejected and everything will be shiny and great. But it's very like performative. It's very just on stage. Who are you? But who are you when the curtains close and behind the scene? Right. Mm -hmm. And as long as no one sees that and they only see what's on stage, I'll be okay. Yes. Yes. And other oriented perfectionism is one that... I, I didn't really realize, I think, is a repercussion of self-oriented perfectionism, mm-hmm. but you tend to pr- expect perfection of everyone else around you. And often you do that because you expect it of yourself. Mm-hmm. So you think, well, if I'm holding myself to the standard, I can hold other people to that standard. But the key here is that it's an unrealistic standard mm-hmm. across the board. I think this manifests a lot in relationships with like, you know, maybe romantic relationships or even friendships, family, like Mm -hmm. anything like that. I think especially maybe in dating, Anna, tell me if I'm wrong. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like you, you have this image of what you want or of what you're looking for, but it's exactly that. It's just an image or a dream. And it's hard. We tend to like hold people to this like Pinterest board thing Mm -hmm. of a partner or of a friend 
or of whoever you want, but people don't tend to meet that. Yes. So one of my favorite quotes I've heard was the perfect way to ruin a moment or a connection is having expectations for how it should be or how it should look like. Ooh, I love that. And, and perfectionism will tell you, it'll be like, well, it should be that way. So the moment should be ruined. Mm-hmm. Like even then it's like, yeah, like the moment's ruined, but if they were perfect, right. Then the moment couldn't have been ruined. If the situation was perfect, then like there's no possibility of it being ruined, but that's the whole thing. Nothing's ever perfect. No one's ever perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think this could, I'm trying to, th- how do you think, or like, how do you think self-oriented perfectionism and other oriented perfectionism manifest in church culture? Mm. I think a lot of ways, honestly, um, for other oriented, definitely. We often think that other people only deserve help, whether it's from God or from us, if they're doing everything that they can exactly how they should be doing it. Mm. Right. We think that there's this benchmark that they have to hit. Um, often in the church, I, I hear that people talk about like, I don't know, like, like people on like homeless people on the street who are begging, right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, like they don't deserve, they don't, they don't deserve help because it's so easy to get a job right now. Why don't they just go get a job? Right. It's, where it's like, they could be doing more and I'm not going to step in and help them until I, until they reach what my definition of doing more is. Mm. And I think we do that a lot emotionally with people in the church, with people, you know, there's always those people in the ward who don't fit in right away with, you know, yeah. maybe they're new or just in general, they just don't fit in. And often we're like, well, you know what, if they would just, if they would just be less awkward, <laughs> then, then they'd fit in. Or like, if they would just put themselves out there more then mm. then they would be able to, to, you know, fit into the ward better where it's like no you go to the back row you go to them there's no benchmark that any of us should be hitting before another person steps in to help we should be going to them and bringing them into the circle not like waving from a distance and be like okay well you got to get yourself over here once you're here then we'll be your friend but you you have to get yourself here first no christ meets us where we are we need to meet other people where they are yeah i think like actively building up other people and i think other oriented perfectionism is also not maybe necessarily like tearing someone down for not meeting a standard, but like assuming that they are meeting a standard and assuming everyone else is perfect and everyone else is fine and no one else struggles. Mm, Like that's also, I think other oriented perfectionism, just assuming that they are maybe. Yeah. That too on the other end. Because I think we could sit in church and be like, no one else struggles with the things that I do right now. Yes. Like no one, no one must have this problem. It's just me. Or no one says, like, no one this week has been like, oh, okay, this time for real, like we <laughs> talked about. It's, it has to just be me, but it's everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think when we kind of dispel the self and other oriented perfectionism, we can then create a stronger, more unified Zion where the spirit can reside and we can help each other by being open and vulnerable and not assuming that someone is either perfect or that they should be. Yeah, or that if they're not, if if they are struggling, it's because they're doing something wrong or there's something wrong about them. And we do that to ourselves too, right? Where we yes. think, you know, if we're not doing well or if we're not totally happy, well, you know, you just got to read your scriptures more. You just got to pray harder. You know, you just got to be more, more active at church, which, yeah, those things will probably help, but there's issues that don't just get solved by being more perfect. Mm-hmm. I actually had a friend text me about the podcast and she said something that blew my mind. Um, I like wasn't okay after I read what she said. She said, um, she's talking about the podcast and the church and everything. And she, she was so cute. She put everything in like a, like numbered paragraphs with a headline of the paragraph. And her third paragraph says, number three, we cannot repent our way to being perfect. Mm. She said, we cannot take enough advantage of the atonement to become perfect. There's no end goal to repentance and we are not expected to repent for all of our flaws or of everything we do wrong. That's impossible. We will all reach judgment one day and there will be things that we never fixed and sins that we never totally moved on from. There will be a time when we repent. There will never be a time when we repent enough to reach exaltation. And that's when Christ comes in and makes the difference. Um, and I just love that thought. We can't repent ourselves to perfectionism or mm-hmm. to, to, perfect. to being perfect because even Perfectionism is just so sneaky because even once we've accepted like, okay, we need to use the atonement of Jesus Christ to help us get there. Even then we still think like, well, I accessed the atonement enough and 
I did it. You know, I, yeah, mm-hmm. Christ made it possible, but I did the hard work and I got myself back to being perfect. That's not how it is. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I've been talking so no, no, no. much. No, I love it. And I think it's funny because a lot of other faiths, at least from what I experienced on my mission, a lot of other Christian faiths are like, oh yeah, you guys believe you earn your way to heaven, right? It's mm. like, uh, no, <laughs> like we, Jesus, like Jesus is who saves us. Right. But we do believe that like when we have faith in Christ, like faith leads you to do something. Faith leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Faith leads us to baptism, but it's all faith in Jesus Christ as our savior, who we all need and who will save us all. It's not like we save ourselves, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I love that. I love that thought. I would love to read the other th- paragraphs she wrote. Oh, yeah. She had a ton and they were freaking awesome. Send them to I me. was like, do you want to just like do our podcast? We should get a third us? mic. Yeah, I know. We need one. We do we need, need one. one for real. Yeah. Um. Okay. There was the other form of perfectionism was socially prescribed. And I think um, that one, I, I don't want to say if it's self-explanatory. Maybe, I don't know, maybe because we've talked about it so much. But um, I think socially prescribed perfectionism is just this this idea of what perfect looks like that we have constructed all together as a culture, as a unit, whether that's like in your family or as the church in a ward, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. you it's somehow this like unspoken thing of what perfect should look like or what everyone should look like, like assuming everyone else is functioning in this way. And so it's kind of just like this standard that everyone is trying to live up to, but no one else is, no one's meeting, but everyone's assuming that everyone else is meeting it. Just not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it also, something Alicia said that I loved, we we've quoted on the, on our Instagram is, um, using a checklist to judge others is a cop out from being charitable. Mm-hmm. And th- that Absolutely. checklist, those benchmarks is comes from socially prescribed perfectionism. Right. Yeah. Where like it could be something as simple as like, oh, my gosh, someone has like crazy colored hair at church or like a guy <laughs> has long hair or like guys don't have beards and like all this stuff. And like it's just it's just really interesting that we have a culture as a culture have come up with this idea of what a perfect member looks like. And if you or someone else doesn't perfectly match what that looks like, then there's something wrong with you. And I think it's kind of easy to do that in our faith because we do have so many guidelines. Mm-hmm. And we do have like commandments and, and things like that and standards that do make it unique and different and so it's almost like people take that as ammunition to judge other people yes <laughs> and that's not what it is at all yes but it's used that way frequently but feel free to listen to our first series about those other forms of perfectionism because they apply to so many other things yeah and they're really really helpful um when we're talking about perfectionism we're talking about sins we're talking about mistakes and just things that happen I think it's very easy for us to always assume that sins or imperfections are intentional or that if someone is unhappy or doing something wrong, it's because, you know, it's because of them. It's kind of the opposite Mm -hmm. side of, well, I have to do it all on my own. It's like, well, then also when you mess up, it's all you, right? Yeah. We kind of, it's really a double-edged sword in the worst way. Um, And I always just, when I think about this, I always think about, we would go to like the like a reservoir like a lake when we were kids with our family and I always remember I'd, I'd go in the water and I'd be swimming and I'd be swimming and I'd be right in front of my family on the shore and I knew I was swimming a little ways out but not anything crazy and I'd be swimming for a little bit and then I'd look and not only would I've swum out farther from the shore than I thought I was also way off to like the left or to the right and I wasn't swimming in that direction I was trying to swim straight but even as I was trying pretty hard to swim straight the water just naturally carried me down stream and um that's just a side effect of being in the water and I think we fail to remember that being imperfect and sinning is just a side effect of being in mortality it's a part of the process it's a part of why we're here and you're not a bad person and there's not something wrong with you if you get pulled away from the shore and -hmm. something Alicia said earlier she said even the strongest swimmers can get pulled away Mm-hmm. They do. It's not even just that they can, they do. Cause that's just, that's just how it is. The water is such a strong force. Mortality is just what it is. And mm-hmm. when we're down here, we're going to get pulled away from the shore. So it's just that whole process, right. Of trying again and swimming back to the shore again and trying mm-hmm. to get back to where we're supposed to be again. And like trying to focus on where you're headed, like where your goal is and 
you know, like swimming towards a point on the shore or something like that. But mm-hmm. the water really is so powerful and it's not because of a weakness of any mm-hmm. any way. It's just a side effect of being in the water, of being human. We come here, we get bodies that are naturally like imperfect. As Anna and I talked about at the beginning, she and I have been getting sick all the time. Every day. That's not because we are imperfect or like it's it is because our bodies are imperfect but like nothing we did made us that way it just is that way and that is mortality it's life it's the classroom yeah so we are gonna mess up we are gonna make mistakes and do things wrong and do or say things that we shouldn't say and then we learn from them and move on yeah and that's not of course you know not to take accountability away from us and it's like oh of course well, yeah you know if you killed someone darn it it's just side effect of mortality <laughs> being in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just part of being in the water <laughs> no it's like obviously we have agency and we use it incorrectly a lot of the times but it's not <laughs> but just because no, no no that's and that's not what you were saying Alicia, yeah but no, like, no no but just totally. because just because you do something wrong like just because the water pulled you from the shore doesn't mean you're just gonna drown yourself over it <laughs> like don't like just don't right. condemn yourself for doing things wrong don't condemn right. yourself for not maybe swimming the exact direction you were hoping you were going to or even if you do it on purpose yeah people like i do bad things on purpose all the time mm-hmm. but it's again just like learning and just trying to be better if you're failing at the test you think is life, it's because it's not meant to be a test. Oh, like if you think you're failing constantly, it's because you are and you're not failing on the test, though. It's just learning. Yeah, I think there's it's a just really learning. bad connotation around failing mm-hmm. that we need to undo. Me too. Yeah. And even um, I follow this one page on Instagram about parenting toddlers. I don't even know why, because I don't have an, children. Yeah, and I was going to say. Not in the cards right now, but like. <laughs> I I just love I love kids and I every calling I've had in church I feel like has been in the primary or nursery and I would nanny a lot and whatever I just I learn a lot from them but one thing they talked about is reframing fear to children and for example like this one kid was climbing up on a rock or climbing a tree and instead of the parent saying be careful like you could fall and hurt your head you could say you're so brave. Look how brave mm. you are climbing that tree. I'm so proud of you. Like, look how strong you are. Instead of be careful, Ooh. you could fall. Ooh. Or be careful, you're going to hurt your head. It hasn't even happened. But they say, be careful, you're oh going to get hurt. Gosh. Isn't this that is interesting? Like bringing up, yeah, like a lot of <laughs> like, stuff for me. <laughs> Anna's like crying. Just like, kidding. No. Can we take a break? <laughs> I thought that was so wow. interesting. Yeah. Like just how we instill fear into each other that yeah. way. Of what could be or of what could happen. And if it happens, it happens. But I love to like, look at how brave you're being. Look how strong you are climbing that tree. You're doing whatever it is. And perfectionism tells you to keep your fears quiet and to silence them and that they're all there, but don't let anyone know, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think we just have such an interesting like idea of fear. And what are we afraid of? Afraid of what? Like, even if you fall, you fall and you get back up. Worst case scenario, you fall, like break your arm. We have doctors for that. Yeah. People break their arm all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, and that's just with like the climbing analogy. But even let's say like fear of being viewed as imperfect or fear of like just saying something like embarrassing or dumb, you know. But I remember I I can't even remember when that was. I think it was in high school. I was asked to speak at like a seminary conference or something. And most of it was a blur, but I do remember saying something that was like kind of embarrassing in there. I wish I knew specifics. Oh, I wish you did. But too. I did. And then after, luckily it was a, it was a nice crowd and they laughed with me. But after like some people came up, they're like, I loved that so much. Like I loved everything you said. And this specific part like really touched me. And people were touched by like the good parts of what I had said, not some one thing that I said that was embarrassing. But I could have easily not gone up there and spoke at all out of fear mm-hmm. of what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. And I, I went up there, said maybe a few embarrassing things, but a lot of really good things, too. And that's what people remembered. Yes. But if I didn't even get up there and say anything, that wouldn't have touched anybody because I didn't say it because yes. of my fears. Yes, I love that. So when you're afraid of doing something, think about, like, why am I afraid of this thing? And even worst case scenario, if that happens, I will be just fine. Mm-hmm. I will be okay. Mm-hmm. 
but perfectionism tells you it will ruin everything yeah and perfectionism tells you that like you i love i love where you said that it latches on to the imperfect moments i mm-hmm. once went to go hang out with a guy <clears throat> oh okay i know and it just happened that this night when i went to hang out with him i happened to just you know when those days where you're just like off Mm-hmm. And things that you say that usually would be hilarious are just awkward. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. you're just like not as you're just not in your groove, you know? So this is the first time we'd ever like hung out and it sucked because of <laughs> me. Like I was the problem and I knew that. And after, after the night I like went home and I was spiraling hard I was thinking like you ruined it this is just how he sees you now you can't change this he probably thinks that you were really cool and then he got to know you tonight and (laughs) thinks you're a psychopath like he just probably thinks less of you now and you know and then and then that obviously translates to he probably thinks less of you to me thinking I am less than I was right and when none of that's true right it was just an off night I just wasn't on my a game um and when it came to you know banter and and humor and there was a Part of the night where we were in a group and I the crowd work was not going well. Like there's <laughs> tough just, crowd, yeah, tough crowd. Tough, yeah. And it's unfortunate that that had to have been the first night we hung right. out with each other. But that doesn't unfortunate doesn't mean final. And so the antidote to this is saying, okay, that happened, but what's the next step? Because there's always a next step. And perfectionism doesn't like to remind you of that. Because even though there might be a next step, your last steps weren't perfect and perfectionism latches onto that and ruminates Mm -hmm. and And stops you from taking the next. Yes, exactly. And completely discredits any good things. Cause even though I was like not on my a game that night, there's a few things I said that were, you know, fun and engaging. I had some good moments. You're funny. Thank you. Girl, you funny. Oh my gosh. Thank you. But you know, when I thought back through the night, it was like, no, the whole night was a disaster. The whole night was a failure. And listen, you guys, he called me again. Get so, out. Yeah, I know. So, see, he didn't see? think you were a so psychopath or a mess. Even if he did, there's always a next step. There's al- You can always change things. You mm-hmm. can always make it better the next time. Always, always, always. Yeah. People also, I, I will say, people like relate to imperfection. Yes. They don't relate to anything that's perfect. And even you know, Jesus Christ is the only perfect person, but we can relate to him because we know he suffered everything we had gone through, but that was so key for him to qualify to be our savior. He had to understand us because if he just came to earth, lived a perfect life and died of old age, it would mean nothing to us. He's just this perfect sparkly old man. It's like, cool. Like, (laughs) thanks for that. It'd probably perpetuate like Anna's perfect older brother problems. Yeah. A thousand percent. I'm like, great. Great. I have a perfect mortal brother. And now this amazing. Exactly what I needed. Yeah. But he like had to go through all of that so he could understand. So he could relate to us perfectly, perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I love, I just, I don't know. Yeah. And why do we deny ourselves and other people the opportunity to have that level of a relationship? Because we are convinced that we need to hide those parts of ourselves at all times. Mm -hmm. I think being afraid of like letting yourself be seen is what drives so much of perfectionism and that's what also introduces things like chameleon syndrome like learning how to only display certain parts of yourself that you know won't be rejected yes like i know people like this i know people think i'm funny i know people think i'm smart like i'll just go with that but they don't have to see anything else beside like behind the scenes yes but when you do open up and when you do be vulnerable and allow yourself to be seen like Sure, you might get rejected sometimes and that like hurts, right? But you also have the chance of connecting with someone, you Mm -hmm. know, like even Anna and I in our friendship, like we've grown so much over the years, but it's taken time. Yeah. Taken time of like opening things and being afraid of like saying something. Will they still, will she still like me and want to be my friend if I say this or Mm -hmm. if I tell her this thing? Mm -hmm. And I think more often than not, people will, but even if they don't, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And that's the thing is that even if they don't, your relationship with Christ and Heavenly Father will always be there. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can count on because Christ not only has seen us at our worst, he's like felt it. Like, yeah, yeah. He knows what it feels like to think that you're 
awkward or you're mm. ugly or you're you know imagine like and i imagine feeling every awkward moment you've ever felt in your life all at one time <laughs> throws <That> up just <laughs> right <now>. throws up <laughs> that actually makes me want to cringe and he like felt that for both of us oh <laughs> yikes <laughs> i'm so sorry lord <laughs> i did that to you but i think like also when you're more comfortable with who you are behind scenes, you won't care if you're rejected or not, yes. or it won't affect you as deeply. But like this need to be like validated or whatever it is, like it's, it's so it's hard. It's yeah. really tricky. But like, I think it's a battle we're, we're all facing of liking who you are, because then it won't matter even if you do open up and someone doesn't like it or someone mm -hmm. loves it. Yeah. Neither of those responses will like affect you greatly you know yeah they can't i mean maybe they can for pot because i i take that back a little bit they can but it won't like rock you you know oh, it's yeah, like yeah. i will not be okay with myself if they reject me yes or if they don't you know again that's your what worth I was and your at. value isn't dependent on that right 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 yeah 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 exactly yes um i like to think about there's there's something that's talked about um I saw something forever ago about how ducks work okay listen listen i have a adoration for ducks this is known. <laughs> this is not associated to that. This just happened to be a duck. Um, it talks about how ducks, like their feathers and the way that they lay, like water, any water, hot water, cold water, whatever, just just completely runs off their bodies. It does not stick to them at all. And I really like, there's also a book about that, about like, have you read the book, The Stars and the Dots? No. Where people go around putting stars oh, and, and they dots fall on off. And that one girl yes. figured out. I and love she figured that, that out because she had a relationship with the master. Yes. Right? Oh, th that book was good. That book, dude, that Who book wrote sucked. that thing? I don't know. I need to, I need to look it up. Me too. That book, that book was amazing. But that's that same thought process, right? Whether someone loves you or rejects you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. I once told a friend, um, it actually really offended him and I didn't know this until later, <laughs> but I told him, <laughs> I said, I said, you really like to control how other people see you. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, you put a lot of effort into controlling how other people see you as a person. And the analogy I used for him was that it, it, I said, it feels like you're constantly holding something behind your back. And anytime someone tries to get around to see it, you like shift your body to block whatever's behind your back so people can't like see behind you and that was like that wasn't a harsh thing to say but it was a harsh thing to make him feel like he's the only person that does that because he's yeah. not you know I do that you do that everyone does that but that kind of plays into that whole like chameleon syndrome type of thing where we're all we all have all these horrible things about us and it's like we're all ho holding them behind our back and anytime anyone tries to you know peek around and see it's like eh. we're like turning our shoulders and, and and standing a different way so no one can see behind us but little do we know someone might see something behind our back and go oh my gosh me too mm -hmm. like i i have that mm -hmm. you know and like how validating that is and that almost for me when that happens to me almost completely eradicates the need for me to even hide it anymore because I go there is someone else on this planet who also has this and I don't know what the sciences or psychology is behind that but it is so validating but in the church we so often force ourselves and other people to keep those dark parts hidden mm -hmm. because we don't want to attach it to our value or our worth right I think like we all just have this need to like belong somewhere mm -hmm. to like belong in a group and I mean, this goes back to like preschool, you know, you yeah. want to like be in with the kids and you want to have someone to play with and newsflash, it does not change when you get older. Like everyone has this need to belong. And it's like, if I share this thing that's behind my back, I could easily be alone. Yep. But you likely are not at all. I, I actually promise you that you are not alone. Yeah. Someone else out there, like has that thing but you don't know if you just like keep it in secret all the time yeah like you don't know yeah so i don't even i don't know i have so many thoughts we've been talking for like almost an hour i know oh my gosh i know but i love that like i love that whole idea and especially because um per perfectionism one of the elements of it is that everyone has to love you like everyone has to like you Right. Because if one person doesn't like you, it's that whole all or nothing thinking. It's like if they don't like you, then it, it destroys this whole image of yourself. Um, when I see it, I've, I've come to learn to see it differently. I did not always think this way. But as I've studied this and 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 done all of this research and everything, 
it's changed how I think about this. But um, I want to get to a point where all the people in my life are obsessed with me and I'm obsessed with them. Like I want to be able to broadcast myself in a way where if there's parts about myself that turn people away from me, then fine, let them go. Because the people that see those parts of me and choose to stay, I can be completely confident that they actually love me for who I am. And I don't have to keep putting up a facade with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that fights against perfectionism a ton because perfectionism is over here blaring. Being like, no, no, no. Everyone has to like you. Yep. You have to perfectly fit every role in your life and every role in everyone else's life. And if one person doesn't, you're failing. When it's like, no, like if they, if they don't want it, then let them go. Like, mm-hmm. Let them go. Because the people that are going to stay are the people that I really want around. And the person who is literally always there is our heavenly father. And he knows mm-hmm. you like inside and out. Like you are hiding you nothing from him. Mm-hmm. And he is there all the time. And for me, like learning more about perfectionism and God's character and his love and mercy and grace has brought me so much closer to him. And I've like had not only have I had like a weight lifted off of my shoulders that I don't have to be perfect and I can mess up and I can be okay, but I have this like overwhelming joy when I talk about Jesus Christ and when I talk about repentance and when I talk about just the gospel, like it's the most joyful message in the whole world that if you don't like something about yourself, like Jesus can help you change that. If you feel weak in some way, like he can strengthen you. If you feel hopeless, like he is literally the pillar of hope and he knows everything about you and he will never reject you ever. Ooh, I love that. Like that is the most happy message in the whole planet and I will stand behind it like forever. Mm-hmm. And I that's why that. we did this whole series, right? Oh yeah. Like oh, a thousand percent to bring the focus back to that. And this culture and that we live in has, I, I don't know if it's totally like interpreted that message, but that message is true. And that message is real. Like it's not one that we're making up. Like it's in scripture. It's in history. It's in your life. Like it's in our experiences. Mm -hmm. If you look for it and if you see it, you know, it's there. And if people are listening like, Oh, I, I wish I could feel that way about Jesus or about the gospel or about anything, you know, you can, like it's there. It's not made up, I promise. Yeah, this isn't just, we're not just creating some version of God like that, a fluffy that serves what we want him to be mm-hmm. or makes it so that we can live the way we want to. This is this is literally how he is mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, and as, I, as I've come, as I've come to, you know, learn more about perfectionism and in general and also in the church, it just has completely changed how I view what the church is here for, what Christ's atonement is here for, what I'm here for. Um, a lot of the elements of our things that we've talked about a million times at this point, Mm -hmm. but just reframing why I'm here and reframing what I'm here. I'm not here to be perfect. Yeah, I'm not, I'm here to experience what being immortal is like, even though it sucks most of the time, (laughs) like I'm, I'm here to figure out how to be immortal and how to be separated from God down here on earth and how to be a kinder version of myself, a more empathetic version of myself, a more compassionate version of myself. And these are things that I'm going to learn by being in mortality mm-hmm. and by having to navigate the natural man and my weaknesses and all mm-hmm. these things that I have and that these things aren't part of myself that I should be rejecting or that I should be ashamed of or hiding. That they are parts of myself that are there to teach me something and to get me to progress and to learn more. And in those moments where I want to beat myself up and I want to spiral and I want to fall back into my old ways of thinking in a perfectionist way, remembering how God actually sees me, remembering how God actually is and letting my weaknesses and insecurities play into that rather than trying to force how God is and how the church is into how my insecurities and weaknesses are affecting me. Mm -hmm. I once heard this thing that said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience we're spiritual beings having a human experience oh i love that and i loved that like that's mm-hmm. who we are and also our bodies are not like they're not the thing to like punish us like we also got these bodies and are getting this mortal experience to become more like god and learning sometimes how to navigate these bodies is difficult but mm-hmm. we're learning yeah. you know yeah okay anna what do we got <clears throat> 
takeaways. Oh, it's been so long. Too long. Number one, life is a classroom, not a test. Number two, imperfections and sin are not attached to our identity, value, or worth. Number three, instead of trying to see God through our own dirty, broken, cracked lens, see yourself through God's lens. And number four, we love you. Oh, that is gospel. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've loved doing the podcast and this has been, I know we've only done two series, but this is like, this series hit different for me. Like Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from it and, um, I go back and I listen to our episodes sometimes just cause I need a reminder. So yep. I've been really grateful to be able to do it. And we are doing, oh, we are doing another series in March, <laughs> in, in soon <laughs> we are doing another series. Um, and it's going to take all the good stuff we've talked about in this one and our first one and apply it to a whole new section of life. Mm-hmm. So we're, Stay we're tuned. excited. Yeah. We're so excited. And as always, please share your thoughts and comments and reviews with us. We appreciate it. And follow us on socials yes. at Popping Perfectionism on Instagram and TikTok. We are now on the TikTok, ladies and gents. We sure are. We are. Okay. My name's Alicia. My name's Anna. And, and this, this is Popping Perfectionism. Popping Perfectionism.